Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. Um, we're going to go ahead and continue in our series, In His Image. And uh, this week we're going to focus on um, Jesus. I'm, I'm calling this God the Son as a sort of subtitle as we walk through this series talking about the image of God and what it means. Uh, I think there's a really interesting and, and I think a really important distinction here as we look at the scripture and we consider uh, what the image of God is, what it means, how we understand it and what's going on with it. And I want to tease that out a little bit uh, in our time together. So um, uh, our starting point today is going to be Jesus. Um, and, I, and I mentioned that in our last time together, that I think Jesus is the place to go and look if we want to know what it means um, to, to understand and be in the image. And I think today is going to be a bit of the rationale as to why that's where we go, why that's what we point to, and um, how we can understand some of this. So Paul gets us started when he says he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation in Colossians 1.15. Paul continues in his letter and in chapter 119 and in Colossians 2.9, He says, in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. That's 2.9. He says something rather similar in 1.19, talking about the fullness of God dwelling within him. In Genesis 1, 26 and 27, God made humanity in his image and likeness. And it might seem like I'm sitting here splitting theological hairs, but I do think that it is significant that Jesus Christ is the image of God who is invisible. In Colossians 1.15, Paul doesn't say he is like or he's in that image. It says that he is the image. He's the visible touch point we have for the God who is not visible. Or Paul goes on and he says that the fullness of God or the fullness of deity dwells in him. In the Greek text of Colossians 2.9 and 1.19, the word for fullness is pleroma. Pleroma means the fullness or completion, the abundance of something. And so in some sense, it can be the, the um, full of, like filled up with, right? To be full of something. The fullness of something can refer to... Um, the state of that particular container while it is full, or it can refer to the kind of uh, completion or maturity or the abundance of that particular thing and what it is. And so when we talk about the fullness of something in Greek, part of what we mean when we talk about the fullness is the essentialness that is that thing. So when Paul says that Jesus Christ that in him, the, the fullness of deity, it is everything that is to be God, has found home in Jesus. And so this fullness, completion, or abundance of something used in the way that Paul has used it tells us that, that God has taken up a home in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, Christian theology has always had a kind of home for that kind of thinking, for that space of logic. 
And it's found in the dogma and the teaching of the Holy Trinity. God is one essence, three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And the person of the Son, Jesus Christ, is the fullness of God among us in his incarnation. Matthew understood that when he calls Jesus Emmanuel. Because the name Emmanuel from Hebrew means God with us. And we can see Matthew 1.23 for that reference of Emmanuel. I think theologians like Karl Barth picked up these threads. Uh, Barth especially in his theological work as he's talking about Jesus Christ as God's full self-disclosure, a self-revealing of the person, character, the nature of God. At the core of the Christian message, Bart sees what, quote, what unites God and human beings is that he does not will to be God without us, that he creates us rather to share with us. And there with our being and life, act his own incomparable being and life and act I think what Bart has tapped into is that God intends to be with his people but Bart's broader point is that while he didn't want to be God without us, he went to such an extent as to become one of us in order to accomplish his plan of being with us. So God's plan of redemption and recreation for humanity, delivering us and redeeming us and saving us from our sin, recreating us into the image and likeness he intended in Genesis 1, God was so committed to that plan that he became one of us to accomplish it. Jesus Christ is God among us as one of us, Hebrews 4, redeeming us from our sin and ourselves. God the Son took up humanity and joined us. However, he did so not forfeiting his nature and essence as God the Son, in the fullness of his deity. And I think this is something that's critically distinct from the way ancient myth that tells similar sounding stories of gods and humanity finding ways to coexist. I think this is one of the biggest differences. Jesus does not give up or lose any of the essential nature that belongs to him as God the Son. He doesn't forfeit his godness, if you will. He doesn't become less than that somehow. The Christian confession, sorry, the Christian confession of Jesus Christ is that he is fully God, fully human. He's one person with two natures. This has been our historic confession. It's been forever our conviction. Those natures do not override one another. They don't step upon each other. Instead, they mutually coexist in God the Son. And there, my brain begins to break. It is a miracle that God took up flesh and became like us. 
and it is beyond comprehending how that actually works. Jesus is fully God and fully human, being the fullest and grandest expressions of God and humanity. It's a miracle and it is beyond my full comprehension. But it is also a grand statement of human value that in his plan to save us, he became one of us. There are a whole host of things that God could have done, including scrapping the universe and starting over after Adam and Eve sinned in Genesis 3. But instead, he became one of us. And I think in that point, we, we have to see the love of God from 1 John 4 come to life in real and tangible ways in the person of Jesus Christ. He became one of us. He's so committed to redeeming and saving us that instead of just saving us from on high, he became one of us. Paul puts it this way in Philippians 2, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Just take a minute and look at the humility and the sacrificial love of God the Son as he emptied himself, humbled himself for our redemption. We see in Christ Jesus, our Lord, the God who is love, 1 John 4, 8. Jesus Christ is the image of God who is invisible. We are created in that image and likeness of God, Genesis 1, 26 and 27. But Jesus Christ is the image. In his incarnation, we see God among us, showing us how he intended us to be like him. So much so that Paul tells us we are being recreated, conformed to the image of the Son. Romans 8, 29. The fullness of God dwells within him. And we see in him all that God is and all that we are intended to be as those made in his image and likeness. Bart clarifies this for us as he writes this. It is in, sorry, he says this, it, it is the name of Jesus Christ, which according to the divine self-revelation, in Bart's understanding, that's the incarnation, the divine self-revelation, forms the focus at which the two decisive beams of truth forced upon us converge and unite. On the one hand, the electing God, and on the other, the elected human being. It is to this name then, that all Christian teaching of this truth must look. From this name that it must derive and to this name that it must strive. Like all Christian teaching, it must always testify to this name.
name of Jesus Christ. It is, it is the name of Jesus Christ which forms the focus at which the two decisive beams of truth converge and unite. The electing God on one hand and the elected human being on the other. As we look to Jesus, we consider reflecting Jesus to the world around us. Let us not forget what Jesus said to Philip. If you have seen me, you've seen the Father. It's important to us, I think, as Christians, as we are being remade in his image and likeness. To keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. To look at the fullness of God revealed in and through Jesus Christ. To consider how he is the image. How we live into that image and likeness. Until next time.